0: Welcome to another episode of Just Two Dads. Phew, it's one of those days. Uh, <laughs> Brian Altinian, co-host, along with my partner at Thrive, Mr. Sean Francis, today on Just Two Dads. We have an amazing show for you. Honestly, it's probably one of our most talked about shows before we've even done an episode. Uh, so much input and feedback. Um, so today's going to be a really exciting show about decluttering your space, whatever that means to you, here on... On Just Two Dads. All right. Excellent. Welcome back, everybody. Again, I'm Brian Altunian. Uh, thank you all for joining us here on our weekly podcast on Facebook Live. You're catching uh, all the places <laughs> that we have uh, podcast outlets. And to our family and friends on WSTX AM radio down in the U.S. Virgin Islands, welcome, everybody. Uh, great to have you all watching, listening, and playing a part in um, in in this. We're now in our second year, which is kind of amazing. Uh, I am blessed to be part of this conversation. Sean and I started this conversation. Well, we really started this conversation about five and a half years ago about how mm-hmm. we can take the work that we do in the financial services arena and make a difference in the lives of of the of the families who deal with special needs issues, whether with their children or or a loved one of some kind. And knowing that a lot of communities get left out of the conversation around financial services, the special needs community needs extra care and love. And because we're also members of that community as fathers of children with uh, special needs, um, we understand that we can relate to that community and, and and it's one that we know very well. So in our travels, uh, we have found we were kept encountering amazing people who are doing great stuff out there in the in the world not just for the special needs community, but the work that they were doing also transcended and served other communities. So it's our honor and our our pleasure to be doing this podcast. We do it on a a weekly basis. We've got a big two-day summit coming up um, next week, which we'll be talking about later in the show, but um, today is going to be great. I don't want to take much more time in introducing, uh, in the introduction, welcome everybody, and uh, we're going to get to our guests here in a second. You guys are going to be fascinated by this story. It's amazing. By the way, I'm just going to say this. So just get just giving everybody a heads up. <laughs> I just heads up. I know I talk a lot. In the pre-conversation we had for today's show, I was just sort of like sitting like this and I found myself like there was like a 10 minute period of time that I wasn't even talking and I was like mesmerized. And I have a feeling that that's going to happen today. So if you don't hear my voice that much today, it's because I'm just uh, I'm just a, a So Some of it was
1: because I was blabbing, too. So well, yeah. A
0: little bit, maybe. I don't know. It's okay. Oh. That's it. Sean and I are not short on words. So let's get to that, Sean. Uh, uh, great to have you, as always, by my side, my friend. Um, I love doing this work with you in every capacity that we do this together. Um, I'm honored uh, to be a business partner and a colleague and a friend and um uh, I love you, man, and I'm, I'm I'm glad that we're doing this together. How are you doing today?
1: I am great. Um, I am, as am I. I am blessed as well. You know, I it's interesting because this this moment here is bookended by a virtual appointment that um, I had with my son's doctor. Uh, we wrapped up that appointment. Then, as I sat down here and get ready, and, uh, and Wendy and I are getting ready to connect before you hop on and everything. I get a text from a colleague who is um, who has a. Um, uh, a family member with special needs that is looking for some guidance as well. And it's just, it's such a privilege to walk in purpose. And in doing so, I'd like to welcome to Just Two Dads, Wendy Zanders. Welcome, Wendy.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I have been smiling all week. I cannot <laughs> wait for this conversation. My face was hurting from our last conversation. <laughs> it is going to be amazing. And thank you so much, Juan Sean, for saying, you know, walking in your purpose because... If you're not working in your purpose, like, what are you
1: doing? That's right. I'm excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. The key is to try and first figure out, raise your consciousness so you figure out what that purpose is. So speaking of that, um, you know, every warrior, every hero has a superpower and uh, those superpowers come with one's origin. Your origin is obviously based on how, who, and where you were raised and all those things. So if you will start by letting us know that and leading into your introduction uh, or in indoctrination, if you will, to the special needs community, and then telling us a little bit about uh, what you do.
2: Yes. Hi, everyone. I am Wendy Zanders, your Declutter Coach, and I work with special needs families like mine, and I take their homes and papers from overwhelmed to simplified. So I'm going to take you a little bit back, well, way back. Um, I am from Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean. So excited right. to be here. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, just growing up in Trinidad and Tobago, you know, I went to um, primary school. Um, you you start going through the, the, the different grades and I didn't realize that I had undiagnosed ADD. Um, my parents didn't know back in the 80s, I'm a 1982 baby, um, nobody knew what that was. You either were smart making A's or you were being left behind. We had classes where it was like the A class, B class, C class, D class. and
1: The rest of the people, like,
2: we don't know what to do with them. Um,
1: And if you add Caribbean culture, it's even more so.
2: (laughs) So I was always a B, high B type um, student, but I was studying so hard to keep up. And I assumed that that's just all we needed. Um, During classes, um, you would have your lunch break. And after lunch, you would have your spelling test. So my entire lunch break was cramming for the spelling test. Because if you got any wrong, you got... You know, you got spanked on the hand. Um, you had a line up for your spanking. And I was always in the line. And I assumed this is my life. Um, my, my my dad, I remember him coming to the conference and I'm doing my work and my nose is to the door. As my teacher told my dad, you know, Wendy is so distracted, she can't even hear a pin drop. She's turning around, she's very distracted. So my dad and my mom decided to put me into tutoring classes, so after school, which was already stressful. I went to um, lessons after class at the teacher's home. On a Saturday, I was in class and I wasn't making any progress, but it was so painful for me because I was trying to please my parents. And without being diagnosed, I was really struggling. Eventually my parents decided, you know what, this isn't working. We are just going to pull her out. But I was maintaining B's, but they were trying to get the A's. So, for me, I realized I'm a B student. I'm happy where I am. And I, you know, I just, I, but I struggled. Um, at 14, I moved to um, America. And I remember the parents that, um, the, the family that sponsored us said, tell your kids when they get here to work hard, study hard, and they will be successful. So, for me, I am all about formulas. Tell me what to do and I'm gonna do it. So break it down into small bite-sized pieces. What do I need to do to be successful? And it was study hard, you know, play hard, do all those things and you will be successful. So at 17 years old, um, I joined the United States Army um, in the military. Um, just to kind of go back a little bit, um, at 14, again, struggling with, um, with AD, undiagnosed ADD, I had the language barrier I couldn't understand what the teachers were saying they couldn't understand what i was saying because i was speaking so fast so i'm oh. speaking really fast because of my broken english from trinidad and i also had anxiety not realizing it. So when i'm anxious i'm speaking really fast to begin Master. with so mm-hmm. the teacher couldn't understand me i couldn't understand the teacher and i was struggling i had classmates i was always calling every afternoon like what is the homework? I wrote something down because I had to rush to write it down to head to the next class.
1: Mm-hmm. And I had
2: no idea what I wrote down. It was just gibberish.
1: <laughs> and tell me something. T- tell me something. I don't want to speak for your parents or for your experience, but you tell me if I'm correct. Yeah. Those of us that are West Indian from the Caribbean, the other thing that from an academic standpoint is, you know, you're told that as a person of color, as a black person, you're told, you know, you always have to be twice as good as the next as the next person try twice as hard because you're going to have twice as many you know roadblocks in your way when you add the west indian um quotient to it you know you're going to try even harder because there's just this whole thing of enough is not enough and your best you give your best but you could give just a little bit more
2: yeah. But you know yeah. what? Some of those, um, some of the classes and the way how it is too is let's say for example, you're in the ninth grade. Well, mm-hmm. if there's thirty kids in that class, when report cards come out, it's not just, oh, Wendy, you know, here's her B. It's Wendy ranked number twenty nine out of thirty. Oh. So you're almost last. So you're mm-hmm. ranked. So you know how smart you are in the class. So you're not being supposed
1: co- smart, yeah.
2: Yeah. So you're not compared to the work that you're doing. You're compared to the other students. And so that comparison has always been very detrimental. I think it's, it's, I'm hoping to change it now, but it doesn't do anything for anyone who are struggling to
1: keep up on just on their level, but now it comes from love. It it comes from love, but you know, it's not a judgment of anybody for our, for our audience that is in the Caribbean listening and hearing, you know, we're not making a judgment. It comes from love. It comes from a good place because it's wanting the best for you. These are the very people that would take a bullet for you. And we're all the sum total of our experiences. But again, you know, and the world is not that much different where it's always like, well, look at what little so-and-so did. Look look at so-and-so's kid. So we compare milestones and everything. And then you add again, special needs to it. Well, you know, that's where the comparison becomes a real villain. But anyway, go ahead.
2: Yes. So I'm from a family of seven. So seven children.
1: Wow. Mm -hmm.
2: That's a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) So there we are in the, on the back porch, you know, the, with the math facts, like five times three, six times two. And my brothers are like whipping it off. And I'm like, wait, wait, give me a second, you know, because there it is, the undiagnosed ADHD. So can you imagine if I would have had that support back then? how much I could have soared. So yeah. that, I mean, it's it's just so important, but here we are back back in America. Um, and for me, it's like, in order for me to function, I have found that on a Friday night, yes, the week was stressful, um, but I found myself cleaning my room, polishing my furniture, doing my laundry. It was my way of de-stressing. I was making honor roll, but I was memorizing and I was studying twice as hard. I remember my little sister would say, you never, you never play with me. You're always studying. And I remember telling her, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna study for 30 minutes, and then I'm gonna play two games of cards with you. That was my way of breaking up work and play. That was the Pomodoro method. So I was doing the Pomodoro method mm. without knowing that that was even a, um, a system. So I was trying to find different ways to, so to, to help my brain understand how to break things down. So that was my way of, um, you know being successful um, in school and continue to make honor roll. So here I am at 17 years old, and this is when the recruiters were able to come into the um, cafeteria. I don't know if they can still do that, but they were like, what's your plans for after high school? And I'm like, I don't know, I guess, you know, I have to study hard, work hard and I'll be successful. So I guess I'm going to college. You know, I didn't like school, but I wanted to be successful. So of course that's the next step. And they mentioned money for college and I was like uh yeah sign me up
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: my, parents, my parents couldn't afford to send me to college so it would have been debt I will have to take out um, I remember my mom she didn't want to sign the papers and I said you either sign it now or I'll I'll do it when I turn 18. 18 and yeah like, Are you sure this is what you want to do and I said yes
1: where and in the states said, did you guys live say it again where in the states did you guys move to we
2: were, I mean, we were in Maryland
1: Okay, gotcha, gotcha. We
2: were in okay. Maryland at and,
0: and what branch of service did you did you answer That's next question? Army. 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 Thank army. you for your yeah. service.
2: Oh, yeah. it was my pleasure to serve. I would do it over and over again. It it's it's taught me so much, you know, even those army values, I still carry them into my business. You know, mm, being compassionate and non-judgmental and discipline, loyalty, all of those things are part of who I am. It's in my DNA for life. So it was my pleasure mm-hmm. to serve, yeah. Um, do you want me to keep going? <laughs> oh, yeah. of course, yeah. Yes.
0: So good. Uh,
2: actually, I met my husband the first day of basic training. And oh, got- wow. You
1: know what? I might as well lock this guy in. So <laughs> <laughs> That actually gives a new definition to the term basic training, does it not?
2: Yes, it does. It okay. was the first day. Um, he was in D.C., I was in Maryland, and here we are in South Carolina for basic training. We had oh. the same job. And um, we, we were able to stay in communication. And it was it was just so amazing to have him. He was one week ahead of me and um, that's leading me through basic training. I was terrified. Here I am, memorize, again, undiagnosed ADD. Here I am memorizing my general orders and memorizing my ranks. And I'm like, I can't get it, but I'm very visual. So if Mm. I can see the rank and I can lock it into my brain, that was how I was learning. And I did eight years in the military. Uh, I remember after basic training, we were, we had orders. I had orders for Germany. He had orders for Forza, Oklahoma. And we were like, what are we going to do? You know, we thought about long distance um, dating and I'm like, that's not going to work. We barely know each other. So this was like maybe three months in Um, and then. He said he proposed, I said I proposed. We don't know what happened 21 years ago. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but we got married, you know, and wow. um, the commander, um, he said, well, go talk to the, um, the chaplain. If he approves of the marriage, I'll approve. And um, he approved and we went to Germany because the commander said, well, where do you want to go? Fossil, Oklahoma or Germany? Hmm. Like, Who's going to want to fossil f- f- Oklahoma? We're going to
0: Germany. <laughs> no offense to anybody who's in Oklahoma, of course. No, I think that's a good call. I'm just saying, I think that. That's but a I'm good struck
1: call. by several things. <laughs> One, so somebody proposed to somebody, and then and then it was like, well, let's see if the chaplain approves. So you mean the chaplain could have said, "Nah, you guys aren't ready for marriage," and then you wouldn't be married. Right. So that's the first thing. And then that's two, so at weird. this point, how old are you now? At this point. I was 18. So you're 18 and you're still 18. undiagnosed. So those are the two things that are right. Yeah, right. sticking out to me. Okay. All right. Continue, please. Um,
2: before the military, before you pick your job, you take this battery of tests. It's called the ASVAB. Um, so the ASVAB test is pretty much to say, okay, are you great in the medical field, the financial aptitude. field? Yeah, the aptitude. Are you a great cook? Um, are you good with logistics and paperwork and all, all different things? And I scored high for logistics. I think we were maybe three choices. And I said, yeah, this one looks good. It was paperwork. I loved organizing. Um, so I picked that one. So what pretty much my job is unit supply specialist and unit armor. So if you take um, uh, like, um, like a Staples and a Lowe's and put those two stores together, I maintain that for our unit to make sure um, we were in an aviation unit. So I needed to have all those small tools and also maintain the weapons and ammunition for our units. So you had to be mission ready at all times. We were Mm -hmm. the support for the commander. You know, The commander says, hey, we're leaving for Iraq next week. We had to be ready. So making sure that we had all these things on hand, if not, they were ordered and making sure that you were mission ready. With the arms room, when I first took it over, it smelled, like, um, it smelled like oil, gunpowder, um, weapons were missing, um, paperwork wasn't done. And I was like, let me have it. <laughs> nice. And nice. within 90 days, we were passing inspections. Um, weapons were out for service, but there was no paperwork. So that's kind of filling out, figuring out, I love puzzles. So figuring out, okay, this weapon is not here. Let me call the small arms room to figure out where it is. If it is there for service, a lot of the paperwork. So that was my way of de-stressing. Give me chaos and I make it beautiful. And that was my way of just calming my brain, um, cleansing the soul. That was my jam. That's your way of
1: surviving too, because if mis- weapons are unaccounted for and you don't know what? where they are, I'm like, who, who, who's in a bad mood on that day? Yeah. Right. Might find
2: out the <laughs> way where the weapon is. <laughs> and then um after the military, I um I was a I worked at the, the food and drug administration um back in, in, in Maryland as well. And I was I was an executive assistant and project manager. So maintaining my director's um, calendar, keeping everything organized. But what really struck me with my um with my organization skills there was sometimes we would have um, storage rooms just full of chairs and extra computer parts and all kinds of like a junky room. Um, And we had students were coming in for the summer and that room needed to be cleaned out. And I was like, let me have it. (laughs) So there I am decluttering again. So every little thing in my life, if there was a way to declutter something, I wanted to be part of it and you know um a couple of years after that my husband and i was doing financial peace university um we were paying off our debts getting back on track with our finances and somebody told me find something that you love and do it as a business and i wish i could remember who told me that because that was really the pivotal point for me starting my business i was going to go get a part-time job and i was like well i could do that because working for the federal government there's only so many hours in the week where they kind of stop paying you and you're working for free. So <laughs> I was going right. to go out and get that part-time job. And um, so that's how I started my business. Um, this was about around March, uh, May of 2017. And I remember I was looking to get some money to take this program, to launch my business. And I went to my husband and I said, is it possible for me to, at this point we were saving for our emergency fund. We were building that up. And I said, can I borrow some money from my emergency fund to start this business? And he has been so supportive throughout all of this. And he was like, sure, no problem. And he he already said yes. And I was still like pitching. <laughs> he, said, he said, yes, you're good. Because I, I was terrified. Here I am taking this sizable amount out of our emergency fund. And I said, this was May 30th, 2017, when I started my business and I said, yes. And I said, by the end of 2017, if I don't make this money back from my business, I am going to go get a part-time job and put that money back into the business. And I was on fire. For me, that fear of having this money and him betting on me to start this business, within 30 day, within 90 days, I had that money back in our emergency fund. I was leaving work at night with my little sandwich, running to a client's house on the week, on Saturdays. I was doing that, and my only day off was Sundays for church. Wow. Um six days a week I was working full time and at night and on Saturdays I was working my business because I was on a much, mission.
1: I loved it. What was the amount that you took out from the emergency fund? And actually, let me back up. Yeah, kudos for even having the presence of mind to have an emergency fund.
0: Right. right.
1: Yes, because because there's so many good people out there, and and now we got 50 million directions that we can go in and and now the 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 organizational crackhead in me, which is the antithesis of you needs to control my direction because there's 50 different ways we can go because we can talk about what it means to take a challenge and turn it into a business, especially where there's a special needs component. We can talk about the importance of financial literacy. We can talk about all of those things. And we still haven't gotten into your introduction, your diagnosis or your introduction to the special needs community. So
0: I'm just going to repeat that. I've sat here and just, I'm, I'm just so fascinated by the story. I didn't even, (laughs) I forgot even what, what we had at Sean and started out with. So um, (laughs) what was the amount? Let's keep going.
1: What was the amount that you borrowed that you took off the emergency fund? It was $2,000. 90 days. 90 days. Okay. Hold on a minute. Tired. I, think, I think people need, need to hear that. This is about taking responsibility for self, $2,000, 90 days to get it back Yes. and you do it. Okay. Now I'm going to shut up. Continue. Yes. Sorry. It
2: was, so that, that amount, it was very scary. Sure. Yeah. So I knew I had to get my tush in gear to get this money back. But that, that small investment was to say, you can do this. If I can get, if I can do this, then I can really make this into a business. Otherwise this just a hobby. I got to put it down and get back to working a full-time job, you know? So that was so more. T- of, my, tell us, of my-
1: So tell us what that looked like. Because even if you have all the organizational skills in the world, you're like, I'm going to turn this into a business. Your spouse is like, great. I support you. What do you do then? You just put up flyers, you know, no. or you're reaching out to people, no. you know, and just. How how did you get
2: started? The $2,000 was for a, um, it was a, a mentorship program. I knew how to organize. I knew how to declutter, but I didn't know how to do the business side of it. And when I first started off, I think I, she, the the person that I was working with told me, okay, this week for your homework, I want you to post on Facebook that you are a professional organizer and you're going to do three sessions for free. That terrified me because now I'm really open for business and the scrutiny and can I really do this? Um, But having that confidence, sometimes you just have to pay somebody to give you the confidence to start, Mm -hmm. right? Otherwise, we're just going to be in our own way. And pretty much what the program was that first month, it was like, okay, did you do that yet? No, I didn't do that yet. And I'm like, okay, Wendy, this is month one. You made zero money. You have eight weeks left to make this happen. Otherwise... This is just a hobby and you need to go get a part-time job to pay this money back.
0: Um, The key is to have a mentor that, you know, holds you accountable and you've given them permission to hold you accountable. Right. In your particular case, you're like, I'm going to pay you to hold me accountable. In some cases you're like, I just need somebody to report numbers, report my objective, you know, evaluation and somebody to go, Hey, what did you get done today? And And by the way, it's okay that you're, what's amazing about you, Wendy, is that you're like, if I throw up a zero, that's on me. I got to do something about that. Right. And so that's the group. That's the best it. part about business ownership and, yeah. and, uh, and, and entrepreneurship.
2: Yeah. And you know, I say um, I'm like that personal trainer for your home. Sometimes you have to pay that personal trainer to kick your butt so you can lose that weight. Right. Or right, right, right. if you're motivated enough, you can just go to the gym and do it on your own. But sometimes you got to pay somebody to say, I need you to kick my butt. <laughs> Here's my money. Yes. I need you to kick my
1: butt <laughs> right. so you posted on Facebook. That's where you got started. Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: And people, it started coming in. I got a referral off my website and I was like, yes, I drove from Maryland to New Jersey from what, for my first client. And I'm like, I don't think I made any money when you took in the expenses, but I needed that. I needed to prove that
1: it could be done. You profited spiritually from that. Yes.
2: Oh yeah. yes. Yeah. Confidence. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. And that's how, yeah. and you know, one led to the next, to the next. I had my business cards, I had my website, and but posting on social media was the biggest thing that gave me that confidence for my business. I remember my mentor saying, Okay, now you're not, instead of $25 an hour, now you're $40 an hour. And I was like, What? <laughs> I cannot ask you for $40 an hour. But mm-hmm. again, it gave me that confidence to say, You know what you are doing. Now go ask for forty dollars an hour. Say say your dollar amount like you're telling the time. It is twelve thirty p.m.
0: Forty dollars an hour. Right, right. You know, and that's a big challenge. A lot of people think like, how do I value myself and my time, and how do I put a number on that, and will people pay it? And you know, that's definitely you know some of the machinations that we all go through in our brains as we start a new business. And you know, think, am I am I worth it? But the best part about what, you've, what you do is that, I mean, you, you've been doing this your whole life and you know the value that you get out of, out of decluttering your life. So it's, it's probably a little bit easier to say, yeah, it is worth this. And prob- by, by the way, it's probably worth a lot more than that yeah. um, because of the value that it brings. And so here's, and Sean and I talk about this all the time, the difference between the cost of something and the value. There's a huge mm-hmm. difference between some yeah. people like to focus on what's it going to cost. As opposed to what value am I going to get out of it? I mean, I, I love this. I, I love this. I love this story. By the way, I just want to say one thing. So, so we have we have folks who watch the show, uh, you know, live, and sometimes they'll put comments on Facebook. Sometimes we just get texts. So yes. I have a I have this uh, a friend whose daughter, young daughter, is she's mom said she's so cute. She's listening. She says, Mom, you know they're doing this just show for you. You're a special needs mom alone. So Natalie, if you're listening. Yes, love, we do this for you and your mom and for everybody. And this is, and, and yes, Carrie Lynn, you can you know be a professional declutterer as a professional organizer. That's right. You just have to set your mind to what you want to do and value yourself. So this is fantastic. So keep going. All right, that was Absolutely. it. I said I wasn't going to say anything, I'm fascinated. <laughs> so
2: then at, at this point, um, I was just taking all kinds of clients, all clients, men, women, um, seniors, veterans. I was working with everybody. Um, And I realized that at this point, I still didn't know that we were a special needs family or if I had my own set of special needs. Mm. Uh, My son at this point, he started really struggling in school. Um, He would steal, you know, Play-Doh. And instead of nap time, he was under the covers with his Play-Doh and he would get in trouble. We didn't know what was happening. Um, But the teacher, she hinted at Go see the pediatrician, you know. And I'm like, what's happening? She couldn't really say ADHD, and I and I I wish that teachers could just come out and say, I think something might be happening here, you know. I suspect ADHD or focus or anything like that. But she was hinting around it. Um, so we went to the pediatrician, and we got his diagnosis. His teachers were so amazing; they were able to. Um, they gave me a questionnaire to fill out, and here I am filling out this questionnaire for my son. And I'm checking the boxes, and I'm like, "Wait a minute! This is me as a child." <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow. wow, that's powerful. So
2: I was able to talk to my dad and my mom, and I'm like, "Look, it's you know." At that point, they said it was ADHD, and I'm like, "I have ADHD," but that point was like ADHD and ADD. Um, I didn't have the hyper, um, the hyper part, but my brain was hyper. But physically, I wasn't running around and doing all those things. But that's how I, I went and got the courage to get my diagnosis. And now that we can name it, we know how to support him. We know how to support me. Um, and it's just it's so amazing. And also, my my husband's family, um, his brother had um, autism at that time as well. And it's like coming full circle, like, oh, my gosh, we're a special needs family. And that's what I've been attracting. You know, you feel confident and you feel comfortable around other special needs families your kid is running around and so are their kids mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so it's not your only child that's running around and everybody else is sitting quietly so when you surround yourself with like-minded people you're you're in the presence of you know just comfort and that's so important
1: i think you answered the following question already but i'm going to ask it because i think people need to hear it yeah um and and need to be affirmed. There are some people that, um, Brian and I talk about this all the time. It's easy for us to make the assumption that anybody that's a member of our community is seeking other members of that community and wanna know that they're needed and that they count and that they're not alone. And But there are some people who almost take their or their child's diagnosis and keep it on a shelf and put it away. And if you don't have the eyes or ears of experience you wouldn't know that they're a family that has those issues, and we're having a conversation with someone recently they talked about how they struggled with accepting that that's who they are, especially these parent that that's part of their identity and they're thriving in life now because what they've done is there's like they're like, you know you know what this is part of my identity it's not all that I am, but you know, and for me, I have to say the longer I live, the more it just fits like a glove in terms of yeah who you are, not not that it's everything. Would you say it's fair to say that you're comfortable in that skin and having that identification? Absolutely, you know, when when I was working with
2: everybody, I was doing my 20 minute, I do 20 minute free Zoom consultations and there may be a, a, a newer typical family that would, you know, come on and I may start to stutter and I know what I'm saying, but in the back of my head it's like, oh my goodness Wendy, you just stuttered. So now I'm focusing on my own issues and my own insecurity right instead of letting them know that I can help you. Um, And then I would work with families who are uh, new and diverse and I'm working with their daughter who has autism and she's running around behind her. And, you know, the mom is trying to calm her so I can chat with her. And I'm like, Oh, well, that's perfectly fine. I just wanted to say, hello, I'm Miss Wendy. I'm going to come and help you. And then that child is gone, <laughs> right? That sometimes a child will sit and, and have a conversation with me. And sometimes it's just, Hello, and they're gone. And I found that I was having, my insecurities was so much less when I was interacting with special needs families because mm-hmm. they didn't notice that I stuttered. They didn't mm-hmm. notice any of my quirks. And I loved that I was able to be part of, of their um, journey. They they didn't, they didn't care what my cost was. They didn't care that I had my own insecurities. You were seen. So they find me and they, they read who I am and they picked me because I'm a special needs um, family or a special needs person. And there was there were times where I didn't want to even put that out there. But once I claimed it, the comfort and the people started to come to me. And that's when I was able to just enjoy working with, with families um, that were in the special needs community. There are so many professional organizers out there um, and I felt like a crab in a barrel or there would be moms who like to organize and they would say, oh, I'll do that for $15 an hour. And I'm like, I can't I can't do that. That's I cannot run my business for $50 an hour. And so again, I felt that insecurity, like who am I to charge that much? Who am I to charge my prices when there are people willing to do that? And that's fine, but I am in a different segment. I'm working with special needs families. There are professional organizers who cannot work with special needs families. Um, So then that's how I was able to get into my own lane. Sometimes we have to get into our own lanes to realize you have something here. And I wanted more of the special needs community. I remember there was um, one one boy I was working with um, and he said, I have autism. Does your kids have any special needs? And I'm like, oh, my son is almost 15 and he has ADHD and sensory processing. And my daughter, she's almost eight and she has ADHD and sensory processing and we think she may have autism, but we have to. So I was able to bring my family into my work. Instead of when I'm working with neurotypical families, it was separate. Yeah. And I wanted to combine both of them.
0: So yeah. it was- Can we, um, can we, can we talk about your, your, your son for a second? Cause you, you brought something up in our early conversation and, and uh, I'm so fascinated by it. Your, how, you, how you got to recognize or how you got to learn of his sensory issues. So he had a very specific (laughs) issue that I'm, I'm not laughing at it. I just, I'm laughing at the comment that I'm waiting for the door to open up behind you. And that's what's making, that's, that story is what's making me laugh. So I'll let you. (laughs) you
2: (laughs) I was telling Sean that I wanted all the bandwidth. So they were actually at the library.
0: Okay, good. Okay, I'm not good, but okay.
2: (laughs) yes, Yes, but my son at 18 months He was in a um, a christian private school so they had to wear um polos with the the khaki pants and i went took my shower came back and this child is still crying and i'm like why are you crying i don't like buttons and i don't like zippers and i'm like what do you know you're 18 months you know um but now he's almost 15 and he's not diagnosed with sensory but now i know because my daughter is that buttons and zippers and jeans he struggled and I didn't know. I was making him, I was forcing him to wear these things. I said, you need to wear button downs because what are you gonna do when you become an adult? You can't wear t-shirts. Well, he's into computers, so yes, he can. Yes, he can.
0: <laughs> I know a lot of adult technology people who only wear, you know, beanies, t-shirts,
1: yes. and, loose and jeans. t-shirts. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: but the yeah. thing is, it's like my parents raised me the way they the best they knew how and Mm -hmm. now that my son is almost 15 i'm looking back and i i forgive myself because i didn't know so a lot of times if you are a, a special needs mom or you haven't gotten that diagnosis yet and you get that diagnosis for me i had that grieving period where i had to grieve because of the decisions i made when they were younger thinking you don't know what you're talking about i know best so if you're going through that diagnosis right now, um, maybe you, you're, you're suspecting or you just got the diagnosis and you're grieving, it is okay because we're thinking, oh, we're a parent and this is what we know and this is what we're going to do. But you have to change up how things are, are done based off of how your parents raised you. So it is okay to have that grieving period and but your community is here to support
0: you. For sure, for sure. And that's, that's one of the things that we promote quite a bit. But Wendy, you're you know, you, what you just, what you just talked about with your son, by the way, is going to help people who may not, not only not have a diagnosis, but they may not even be thinking about that. If there's anybody that thinks, you know, their child is neurotypical, but for some reason, they just, they don't like to wear clothes, you know, or they don't want to wear a belt or they don't want to be constricted or some there may be something, but they don't like a bright light. They don't like flashing lights. There's some sort of Something that they just that they, they're constantly, you know, having a challenge with maybe an opportunity for for a parent to go, wait a minute, there may be a maybe there's a sensory issue that I'm not aware of what you just said. I, I don't think any parent would go, you know, my kid doesn't want to wear anything with buttons and zippers. And I'm like, come on, man, put your jacket on. It's freezing outside. You've got to wear that. <laughs> we would like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're going to die of you know frostbite. Right. Yeah, if there's an issue, they don't want to wear a jacket. They can't be bundled up. That's right. they point to something with what you've, what you've just done is you've just described an amazing opportunity for parents to look again at this and go, wait a minute, maybe there is an issue. And by the way, to the second thing you said, it's okay. It's We're okay. here to support you. We get it.
2: Yes. And here's a great, stuff. um, when it comes to their closets or their clothes, like my daughter was five when I stopped buying her clothes, I was like, Oh, I'm going to get her this and I'm going to get her this. And i am going to get her this and she had a closet full of clothes, and she was wearing the same three, four items. It came out of the dryer; it was right back on her body. And I'm like, people ah, are going yes. oh to clothes. <laughs> people are going to think, "Oh my goodness, you don't have any clothes." So here, it was it was about me again, <laughs> right. right? It's about me, right. and because for moms, how our children looks, it's like on us. How the house, how the outside of the house looks, that's the guy thing, right? So for us here in the home. My daughter's five. My son was maybe about 12, 13 at that point. I said, You know what? I'm not buying your guys' clothes anymore. We're going to go shopping. We, we like consignment shops because the clothes are kind of like built. It's kind in. of like uh, lived in. Yes. It's like lived in a little bit. And then like that clothes. So we went through and we decluttered their closets. So if you know that you, you have kids that, the same couple of items are coming back on their bodies as soon as they come out of the wash, take a look at that and say, you know what? It doesn't make sense for me to buy you all of these clothes. So just say, this is my budget. Let's go to the store, pick out what you like, try it on if you want, and that's what you you bring home. Even if it's just 10 sets of 10 pants, 10 shirts, um, they don't want buttons, don't buy it. They don't want jeans, don't buy it. And that's a really great way to start decluttering their closet and just say this is my budget go pick out your items because you know that's what they're going to wear it doesn't make sense having a closet full of clothes if they're not going to wear it it's it was just one um it was one argument i just didn't want to deal with so that's a really yeah. great way to help and that's a great way to find out if your kids have that sensory issues as well
0: yeah
1: one of the things i i love about doing this is like you know I tell guests that come on is like, we're here hosting but the, the 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 guests or the star of the show. And we're as much the audience as we are the hosts. And so with that said, you know, I, I want to ask you because we've gone through, there's a couple things that we've given away. We don't have as much anymore, but there's a handful of things that we've given away um, to people that have come to work for us or friends or just donations that when we give them away, they're brand new and have never been worn Um because Elijah just like, Nope, not doing that. You know? And, and, and when he was smaller, when he was smaller, anything that my wife thought of, like the, the, a cooler, a cute outfit, you know, like bomber jacket, some overalls or whatever, just the coolest stuff. And I would be like, man, yeah. Do those those come in my size? You know, some really cool looking stuff. You know, as he got a little older, he just got set with certain things. So for fellow special needs families, especially those with a child um, on the autism spectrum, when you go in and you're doing your declutter, because we know that, you know, with autism, you've got any change in pattern and, you know, you're not throwing anything out. That's why I've never been diagnosed, but I think I've been misdiagnosed by a bunch of people. Because if you were to see... This studio, this office, right now, you'd be like, I'm coming over for free because my stuff is a mess.
0: So I was thinking about this too. I've got a pile right here over my (laughs) right shoulder. I'm thinking this must be driving Wendy crazy. I'm sort of like, how do I? I mean, I don't know how to cover it up, you know. But and I was thinking that Sean's bookshelf behind him. I'm like, yeah, that's why my stuff is
1: is in tight because I'm like, she can't (laughs) see that, but. If, were, if, you, if you came to, to to help us with our stuff, there's a handful of things that you look to get rid of. We'd either have to have you do it when Elijah wasn't here or have him engage because he's involved in the process and that might not go well because he'd be like, nope, nope, we're keeping that, we're keeping that, we're keeping that. Okay, that. you. Can. So how do you deal with that when you're dealing with a family who has yeah. those things? Because when I say that, I mean, he could literally go in either direction where he's like, okay, I'm involved in the process. Okay, fine. We will get rid of that. We, or he may decide, no, everything stays nice and clean. How do you yeah. deal with that? You know,
2: even on the autism spectrum, the kids are very different. I always look at each family differently. So instead of me showing up at their door saying, oh, Miss Wendy's coming to throw out your stuff. <laughs> yes. I like that free zoom consultation. And even if the child doesn't speak with me, At least they know that I'm coming They see my face. Um, And sometimes the day before the session, the mom will send me a text saying, you know, Elijah cannot wait to see you, you know? So because the anticipation, they know my daughter is always there. Okay. How many more days? So I got to say, okay, six more days, five more days, four more days. So they know that I'm coming instead of me showing up at the door. They never met me. And they're like, who is this woman? And why is she touching my stuff? You know, so always have that that pre-conversation, even if it's on the phone. I I, I like face to face. So I like Zoom because they get to see me. Um, so then when um, when I'm doing the consultation, I always say, okay, tell me about tell me about your child. Sometimes it's autism and they've been adopted. So maybe mm. they've lost all of their stuff previously. So they're holding on even tighter to right. what they have.
1: Right. So if
2: you're working with a child and the child doesn't want to get rid of anything then we organize what they already have but i will let the parents know don't buy any more clothes or if there's some maybe don't buy any more stuffed animals until they get rid of two they bring one in so slowly um you're kind of paring down it's gonna it's not gonna be drastic but it's Mm. gonna be a slower process um animals are a big thing for kids on the autism spectrum or adhd they love that soft plushies. So just mm-hmm. don't buy any more. If they're if you're at the store and they want one more, you gotta say, well, we got to get rid of two and then we can come back and get this one. You yeah. know, so try to do it that way. Sometimes sometimes negotiating is where we so gotta at least you know, at least with
1: those <laughs> things there, it seems like it's functional. A lot of the stuff that we dealt with was behavioral. For anybody that's looking at the show, you see me take a couple of sips here and off on this water bottle that comes with its own straw. I had one of those that My wife had gotten a handful of the kind that, you know, there's there's the the spout on the top that flips. Right. And I had one she did and so did Elijah and so did, you know, the other kids. And Elijah got to the point where it wasn't used for drinking. What happened is it needed to be filled. And when I say filled, I mean like that much space, you know, at the top all the time and it had to go everywhere i went we're going out the door he's like oh, daddy's water bottle you like i have to take the water bottle and then i can't drink from it so then before you know it there's like green things swimming around in the bottle and eventually one day the bottle broke and he was just like oh and he kind of got over it and i and then i got to thinking like i wonder what would have happened if we just took the bottle and took it aside we didn't hide it you know so they're, they're always teaching us even through the things that seem so uncomfortable and you know yeah challenging and bothersome at times too. Mm.
2: When it comes to um, with the decluttering, sometimes you can get away with decluttering a child's room when they're not there. But I I I wouldn't advise that because what happens if they have things in a certain spot, if the child likes their Lego pieces in this certain spot and they will know Mm if you know so instead of I wouldn't um use that, that way. I would include them because I'm about decluttering through life with life skills. So Mm -hmm. teaching him, okay, here's how we clean up your room because in the future we are raising husbands and we're raising wives, right? So, or maybe they're moving into a group home. You just want to want them to be an adult that can take care of themselves. So We shouldn't be doing it for them. Even if it's a five-year-old or 15 or 16-year-old, we want to include them in the conversation because they are going to be more apt to keep it organized and decluttered. And if not, then they know where things go. Use labels, um, whatever systems we need to help them. If they're on stuffed animals, let them keep the stuffed animals. We focus on the clothes. or We focus on the shoes or something. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's one of my wife's favorite things. She'll say, you got to choose your battles because with me, I'm, you know, I tend to lean towards, uh, uh-uh, that needs to get done right now. And I've slowly evolved into somewhat of, all right, I will surrender the toothbrush in order to have the t-shirt, you know, as opposed to No, let's take care of all of it. Sometimes you can forget that you're, special needs parent and you get into this whole normal mode as to what well, why can't this all get done right here and now we're constantly right. constantly learning yeah
2: and then also the comparison of the kids right sometimes my my 15 year old son will say well why does my why does my sister who's seven why does she get special treatment because you guys are two different people and do you want me to treat you like a set like like you're seven because then you both have the same bedtime you know what i mean so sometimes it works in his favor sometimes it doesn't so right you're 15 she's almost eight we have to parent them differently um she yes. has sensory him he's the undiagnosed so you do it very differently you may have a neurotypical child neurodiverse child still very different and sometimes you have to explain why one child gets more treatment than the other and so
1: one yeah. of our uh, one of our earliest episodes was touched on. The topic was just that: how do you love your children differently, but undeniably equally? Yeah. because they have, they have different needs. And for us, you know, like I said we've got a super blended family. You grew up in seven kids. We we have seven because four of the seven are, you know, my sister in law's kids that we adopted, and they've never acknowledged feeling cheated or left out from the different type of care and love that, you know, that Elijah needs. And, and maybe they're trying to cope with that too. That's a whole nother topic altogether. But again, including them in the conversation and and in, and in the process, that's where that, where that comes in.
0: By the way, I was going to say, you know, my, my older kids are in their, are in their twenties and I still have to explain to my, to my oldest child why her youngest sister Gets different treatment sometimes, <laughs> you know. It's just, I think, yeah, I think that happens a lot, anyways. And it's, it's language. Not really it's not different treatment. It's just different. It, it's reception. language, really. It's yeah. language. Sure. Like, I, I need, I,
1: I need to speak this language to your, to your sibling because I want them to understand me. I can't speak to you the same way.
2: Yeah, and you know, there's different different abilities as well. I was working with one family um, and was there to work with the with the boy, and he had cerebral palsy. And so we were working on decluttering the walk-in um, pantry. So here he is on his um, on his on his crutches, and he was standing for like thirty minutes. And we were cleaning things out, and he finally said, "Miss Wendy, my legs hurt." And I'm like, "Oh my goodness, no! You sit down." And we were all running around, you know. Um, Even the three-year-old was like taking the can and running to the living room with it. And she was having fun. I'm like, hey, the three-year-old can carry cans. So I had the 11-year-old boy um, with cerebral palsy. He sat sat on the floor and we were giving him things. And I'm like, okay, I want you to sort in this area while the three-year-old and the 14-year-old was running back and forth to the living room. So if you're working on an area, and I like working together as a family, not just one individual child. But if you have um, multiple kids, do it as a family. Make it fun. Turn on music. Um, and Because decluttering should not be painful. If it's painful, you won't do it, right? So here we are decluttering um, the walk-in pantry. And at the end, everybody felt amazing because they all were able to help in different ways, in different um, their own way. Um, and then the boy was sitting there. He was sorting. And when we got done, he was able to bring things back into the pantry he took a little break and he got back up and he was able to um, come and join us again. But he maintained part of the conversation, part of the cluttering the pantry, so everybody can be involved. It's just different levels that they're able to be involved.
0: So let me ask, so let me ask you this question, and if, if people are listening. So for, first of all, where are you located? So I'm With in Arizona you're now. You're now in Arizona. So, so here's, here's something that I'm sure some people are thinking. First of all, obviously, Wendy sounds amazing. And to have Wendy come to my house, you know, and do stuff with my family, that would be awesome. But if I'm not in Arizona or I'm not located in an area that's convenient physically, how do I get to take advantage of Wendy's knowledge and her services? Do you do, do you do cons- like consulting over Zoom for those that are not near you? How do you, what's that part of your business? Is that something that you do? I'm just going put the website up for people to see, but.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, So I do um, virtual decluttering. So you can be anywhere in the world and I can do virtual decluttering with you. Um, And also at the end of Q3, I am launching a membership where we are going to take one of the first sessions is just making a list of all the things that you have in your home. Um, In 2017, um, I'm um, sorry, earlier I had um, a, a battle with depression and my house fell apart. So yes, I was an organized person, but when you're battling depression, taking care of the house is the last thing on your mind, right? Um, taking care, if you have a child that's in and out of the hospital, the last thing on your mind should be your home. Nobody should judge you that your house is falling apart because you're taking care of a sick child at that point. So here I am working with my therapist to get myself back up Um and functional, um, I went through my house and I made a checklist of every single nook and cranny in my home. I loved cooking for my family. So I started with the kitchen, but you may say my closet because I've gained weight and I nothing in my closet fits. So you may want to start in your closet or in your kitchen um, or in your kid's room. So I would say, if you can snap your fingers, that's what we do on our consultation. If you can snap your fingers, what is that one space You would like to tackle that will help you start feeling great again right that's where we start so for me at the end of q3 is launching that membership and community is everything yes we can declutter one-on-one and that will be great but sometimes people want community maybe they are the only special needs family that they know and they want to know that they are not alone so that's why i'm launching that membership you can go to wendyzenes.com and book your free Zoom consultation. It's twenty minutes, and let's get to know. Tell me about you. Tell me about your family. I tell you about me. I get to talk about my depression, my battle with depression, and my ADHD, and my amazing kids. And we get to say, yes, you are a right fit. I'm a right fit for you. Let's work together. So, and sometimes it can just. I can probably say no, I'm not able to help you, but I know somebody that can. So let's have that conversation. Um, I never want to leave anybody off my Zoom call saying, "Wow, she can't help me." I will never leave you stranded. I always want to have that support for you. So let you know that you are not alone.
0: That's fantastic, great. fantastic. My friend, my friend Carolyn is uh, who's who's commented here. You know, she's here in, in Southern California, and you know, she's like, "Yeah, I need physical help too." Um, there are
2: two places that we are trying to get to. When my friend Susanna told me that um, that Sean, she was like, I think he's from the Caribbean somewhere. And I was like, we are trying to get to St. Croix. Our 20th wedding anniversary was last year, and it was on our list. So we are trying to get to St. Croix as well. Uh, and also California. There are so many people in California that mm-hmm. that's looking for in-person help. Um, and I, I take my family with me. If we're traveling, I like to make work and play a huge part of of what I do. Um, so if I'm coming to California, I bring my family with me. I work with my families, and then we hit the beach as a um, as a family. So I make it work and play. So Excellent. I have to come to California.
1: And I have I have I have a connection for you for some uh, travel to Saint Croix. We'll talk offline. <laughs> um, so with that said, it looks like you know. Let's just, in, in review, um, we've got your, uh, your website on the screen for those that are looking, for those that are joining us via podcast outlets. It's www.wendyzanders.com. So W-E-N-D-Y-Z-A-N-D-E-R-S.com. And in review, your suggestion is to include and involve the children in the process especially when you're having you know, children with sensory issues or autism or anything of that nature with regard to making changes, and then to do the decluttering as a family, whether you're working with them physically or it's a consultation. Uh, with that said, there's a question that we generally close the show with as we get close to it. Uh, because we're about change and we believe that any opportunity at making the world a better place and becoming better people is tied to our ability uh, or our propensity or desire to change, uh, I always ask the following, which is think of one thought or more important, a belief or a philosophy that you held dear it was just part of who you have always been, that you no longer feel the same way about and that has ultimately served you.
2: For me, it's back to when we first moved here from, from Trinidad, where it was work hard, study hard, and you'd be successful. So Mm -hmm. for me, working for the federal government was the epitome of success. I was chasing the corporate ladder. I was trying to get to GS-15 and be successful. But on that road, I got really sick. Um, Legs and hands were really swollen and went to the VA hospital, thought I had lupus, all these things, everything came back negative. And it was just stress. The stress has gotten so bad that I was on sick leave for, 90 days. And within that is where I was sitting on the couch. I'm normally a go, go, go person. Again, I'm trying to get success, right? Which is not something that you can, there's no line, right? You're always going to be chasing it. And Mm -hmm. I sat on my my couch with my legs up, with compression socks on, and I started journaling. That turned into a book. Because (laughs) I wanted people to know that you get to decide what success looks like for you and your family. I was looking at my mom's level of success, my dad's level of success. I wanted to represent the country of Trinidad and Tobago because of being successful. So now, yes, success is still attainable, and yes, success is still important, but I get to change what success looks like for me and my family. So it's not about chasing six figures and working for the um, federal government. Now it's working with special needs families and feeling Fed and fueled every time, every day I get to work with my families, Um, my special needs families. We now, my husband and I left the federal government. We are retired. I retired at 36 years old. And now this is what success looks like for me. Working my business, homeschooling our kids and traveling, you know, Mm -hmm. traveling to St.
1: Louis, traveling to California. (laughs) You mentioned mentioned in pursuit of, I think you said GS-15. Is that a government clearance level?
2: Yes. That's yeah, the, yeah. the highest, yeah, and then you have your SCS executive levels. Um, and I want that people
1: that's to focused on. I, I want our listeners to to catch hold of that. Somebody is sitting, listening, or watching with a very, very clear definition of success. And if there's something inside of you that lets you know that, and I'm not talking about quitting just for the sake of quitting, but if there's something inside of you that lets you know that. You know that you're at least questioning whether or not that is what success means to you, listen to that. It's more than okay. Matter of fact, it's imperative for your survival. That's right.
0: And on that note, we're already at the end of our hour, Wendy, if you can believe. We're always amazed by how, it, how quickly it goes. Um, this has been fascinating. Again, I, I feel like I was sitting and just watching a magic show happen. Um, I, we got some great feedback and some great comments from some folks. I know you've made a difference already and i I know you're going to be contacted by some of the people that um that listen and watch this show so thank you for the for the work that you thank you for your service to this country um and for the work that you're doing for our community and i hope that uh uh, we get a chance to work with you again in the very near future and talk again further about other things that you've got going on and i just want to thank you uh and thank you sean for 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 being your co-host in this in this endeavor I'm, i'm just i'm fast every week it's just so such an amazing experience for me i I, just, uh, I always end by saying, you know, there's always uh, t- empathy and love is is needed now more than ever. Um, right. Look at somebody and have some empathy for what they're going through because you may not know what it is exactly. And if you look through the lens of love, everything works the way it's supposed to. So um, right. with that, I'm going to throw it to Sean to, 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 to close us out. And thank you again, Wendy, for for your time. It's fabulous.
1: Yes. Wendy, thank you so much for your time. Thank, thank you to all our listeners. And I need to make sure that I thank the women in my life without whom I could never attempt to be who I hope to become and strive to be. And that is my, uh, my mom, Jan, and my amazing wife, Laura. Uh, remember, like we always say there's no such thing as special needs. Everyone has the same needs. Everyone needs to be hurt. Everyone needs to be seen. Everyone needs to know the matter and everyone needs to be loved. And somebody out there someplace needs to know from you that they matter and that they're loved. Um, The only thing that's different is that if you have a diagnosis or a um, um, developmental delay or something, you may need more of what it is that everybody else needs. So just know that, and we'll uh, see you next time. And
0: if you're watching or listening, we love you. Thank you, Sean Hall. Thank you, everybody. See you again next time. Thank you, Wendy.